Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and I have a guest with me today, Erica Taylor Montgomery. Welcome, Erica. Thanks so much for having me, Henry. Let me give you a background on Erica here briefly, and then we'll have her add to this bio. Uh, Erica is the CEO, chief publicist, and founder of Three Girls Media Incorporated. Erica enjoyed an 18-year broadcasting career in the San Francisco Bay Area before transitioning to public relations. In 2005, she launched Three Girls Media Incorporated, and they are a public relations and social media marketing agency specializing in working with small and emerging companies. And we're going to talk about that, especially this topic of public relations for small business owners. She's also a speaker and the co-author of the best-selling book, The Spirit of Silicon Valley, Journeys and Transformations Beyond Technology and the author of the forthcoming book, or is it is it out yet, the PR for the 21st century? Not quite yet. It's going to be out okay. this fall. Wonderful. So by the time this show episodes, it might be live. If not, then definitely check back with her or on our show notes page. But the book is going to be called PR for the 21st Century, a step-by-step guide for small business, nonprofits, and entrepreneurs. So we are excited to have Erica on the show. Erica, once again, welcome, and please add to that intro and tell us about what you're doing these days. Sure. Well, um, like you said, I was a broadcaster in the San Francisco Bay Area for almost 20 years, mostly doing morning show programming, both radio and television, and loved it, but hated the hours. Uh, To do morning shows, you have to get up at two or three o'clock in the morning to be in the studio by four to get ready to go on the air at five. And it just wasn't conducive to uh, life with a young son and family. So ultimately decided to transition out of being an on-air broadcaster and went into the field of public relations. And so I worked at an agency and then ultimately after that went to work as a press secretary for the California State Legislature, and finally decided that I wanted better quality of life. I never wanted to be told again that I couldn't take time off to go to my son's cello concert or soccer game or things like that. And so I decided to forage out on my own and start Three Girls Media. And I did that in June of 2005. So we just celebrated our 11th anniversary in business. And it's been a fantastic ride the entire way. That's great. Very diverse background and tremendous success that you've been having. So I want to go back uh, when you started your career. Where, where, where was that start? What were you doing back then? In broadcasting or public relations? Well, before that, you started, you didn't go right into broadcasting. If I understood your your background correctly, you worked in uh, marketing and, and public relations. Is that right? Actually, broadcasting was my very first career right out of college. Wow. Okay. Um, so I started in a very small market and then eventually moved up to larger and larger markets until I was in San Francisco. 
And it was after I decided to get out of my 20-year broadcasting career that I went into public relations and marketing. I decided that I wanted a way where I could use my media skills, but not necessarily as a member of the media anymore. So I was able to translate my knowledge of the media, both uh, newspapers, magazines, radio, television, and use those effectively doing public relations for an agency and then for the California state legislature. Got it. So being a broadcaster, is that what you dreamed of doing and being when you were in school? Well, when I was young, my first uh, goal was to become an orthopedic surgeon. I really wanted to get into medicine. But uh, in college, when you're pulling C's in things like biology and chemistry, I finally decided, you know, maybe medicine isn't the best career for me. So I gave that up, uh, transitioned to broadcasting and fell in love. What did your parents think about that? You know, they were really supportive. Uh, They weren't sure that I would be able to make a career of it. Obviously, there aren't a ton of jobs in the broadcasting world. So I think they were a little concerned that my visions were kind of pie in the sky and they questioned whether or not I could eventually uh, make a living and support a family. But I proved that I could and did and was amazingly successful. Back then, at that time, did you have aspirations of being your own boss? No, I didn't. I really didn't. I never thought starting a company or being an entrepreneur. It wasn't until I was working 70, 80 hours a week for somebody else and was being told that work was my number one priority, not my family, and was expected to prioritize work events and time in the office and things like this over my family that I really started taking offense at that. And I I was so upset on multiple occasions when I, it was mandatory for me to be at some meeting or some event instead of going to my son's school play or other things like that. And so eventually that just played such a a negative role in my life that I decided I want a better quality of life. I want to be able to spend time not only on a good career, but also with my family. And so that's when I decided to leave the California state legislature and uh, start my own business so I could have work-life balance and a better quality of life. Yeah. And so that's, if I'm kind of putting the years together, 20 plus years into your career is when it finally, you got to a point where you had to go do something different to have the timing about right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I was on air for about 20 years in uh, overall in broadcasting and finally decided I didn't want to work those hours anymore. And then uh, went into the world of public relations. I Uh, worked for agencies and for the California State Legislature for about five years before I started my own company. So when you were doing that for five years, at that point, was were you now starting to look forward to, I'm going to do this on my own, but I need to get that experience? Or was it still not quite something that was clear as far as starting your own agency? It definitely wasn't clear. Uh, I I still did not have the ultimate aspiration of being my own boss and starting a company until really about five years in. And that was the point where I got so fed up of there being inequality for 
for parenting and family in my workplace that I just couldn't in good conscience put my work first and my family second anymore. And so it was that that finally weighed heavy enough on my heart and my mind that I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to go out on a linear, try something that uh, is very scary for me since I'd never really planned to do it in the first place and start my own company. Yeah. So you've touched on a couple of themes that are so common. They certainly were part of what drove me to become my own boss. First was the time off thing. I remember thinking at the time, the companies I worked for, we had maybe one week off of you when you first started and maybe two weeks. And even if I didn't take that time, I just felt like, wow, somebody dictating how much time I can take off. I just had such a problem with that. And it sounds like that was an issue for you as well, especially as you were starting to raise your family, right? Absolutely. And with the job I had with the the legislature being a press secretary, even if I was technically on vacation, I still had to keep my pager and my cell phone at arm's length and be available for uh, emergencies or things that would come up. I, I didn't actually have the ability to completely unplug from that, even when I was technically on vacation. Yeah. And then you're always having to be connected. And then the second theme was this whole thing of work being number one. And I think that's such a big challenge for people because you hear all this talk and I think it's just lip service about wanting our employees to strike a balance and make sure you have other activities. But I think it's hogwash. I think at the end of the day, especially in these high pressure type careers, what our bosses are looking for is that we're committed to the job and nothing else. And that was your experience, it sounds like. 110%. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it was uh, the whole concept of work, work, work uh, is number one priority has to be everything, practically a religion in your life. Uh, and working 70 or 80 hours a week, uh, no work life balance. And they frankly didn't care. That was just the expectation. Um, when I was working for an agency before I started work in the state legislature, um, it was the office closed around six o'clock in the evening and we were expected to be in the door by eight or eight thirty in the morning at the latest. And it was extremely taboo to leave before 6 p.m. even if all of your work was done. I cannot tell you how many countless hours I spent sitting at my computer surfing the web uh, and just chit-chatting with office mates and whatnot because my work was done for the day, yet I wasn't technically supposed to leave because that would leave a bad impression with the bosses. It was ridiculous. Yeah, you had to play those political games and those impressions, and it just, it's so frustrating to say the least. But uh, nonetheless, you did well in your career. I'm sure you were making good money. Uh, you had invested a lot of time. So I want to now get to that point where you decide to make the transition and how you did it. Did you start while you were still working? Did you quit? Did you have money put away? Just walk us through when you actually took that step to start your own business. Yeah, I quit cold turkey. <laughs> and and I didn't really have a, a grand scheme or plan at the time. I knew that I wanted to start my own company and was planning on doing it very quickly, but I didn't have the building blocks in place. I didn't have the knowledge that I think so many entrepreneurs need in order to launch a company. 
I really just was winging it 100% of the way. Uh, I had a a little money saved up, enough to get me through a couple of months of living, but certainly not money for the long term to support myself. So I knew if I was going to make my own business work that I was going to have to do it really quickly. Two months is not a lot of time when it comes to working capital, capital for your life and no money coming in. And that was, that was a huge risk. So what happened that made you take that leap, that jump? It was finally being told one more time that I could not go to my son's event because I was needed at a work function. And I've been told that so many times, missed so many great things that my son had participated in in school or extracurricular activities. And he was involved in a very special program and he was going to be sort of the star of this presentation. And I, I frankly, I just didn't want to miss it. And it finally just was the final straw. You know how sometimes there's just that one little thing that tips you over the edge and, and, and that was it. It it was really it. And I said, you know what? I'm giving my two weeks notice. I'm sorry. I'm out of here. And that was that. Hmm. Exciting. Bold. If you look back at it now, would you have done anything differently? No, I wouldn't. Uh, you know, I, I really think that I, I made the right move. It was terrifying at the time, but there's no motivation quite like knowing that you have limited money in the bank and you've got to get something started ASAP. So it made me work extremely hard for a couple of months to figure out exactly how I was going to structure my company, the services that I would provide, set up some fundamentals like bank accounts, uh, incorporating the business into an actual entity. Uh, these types of things all happened really, really quickly. But while I was working 70 hours a week for myself, trying to get things started, I still had the flexibility of the hours that I worked. So I could go to my son's event and after he went to sleep at night, I could work till two in the morning if I wanted getting stuff set up for my business. So I still had that flexibility uh, that allowed me to pay attention to my family while I was getting started with Three Girls Media. Yeah. How, how do you remember that time, those, those couple of months? What, what stands out as far as emotions? Frantic. Absolutely frantic. And I also feel like I didn't really know what I didn't know, right? So there were so many things that I had to learn very, very quickly. I knew nothing about what type of business entity I should be. I had to figure things out. Like, am I going to do my own bookkeeping or hire somebody to do it? How am I going to afford that? I need to get a website built. What's going to be on it? Uh, there's just so many components and so many things, you know, setting up the bank accounts and making sure those were done the right way, uh, that it was a constant learning every single day. I felt like I was learning something new and figuring it out. It was scary. It was overwhelming. It was thrilling, exhausting, but I would absolutely do it all over again. Yeah. That's great. Tremendous journey. Thanks for sharing some of those details with us. 
So I want to start diving into some of the advice for our listeners in your areas of expertise and some of the services that you offer. So let's start with public relations, because I think public relations is one of those things, certainly for small business owners, in my experience and in the other small business owners that I've had the opportunity to work with, we kind of look at public relations as something that's out of our reach. That's for bigger companies. It's too expensive. It's not something we need. So just talk to me about small businesses and public relations and how that fits in. Sure. Well, I, I agree with you 100%. I think most small business owners feel that uh, hiring a public relations agency is out of their grasp. It's simply something they can't afford. However, I think that all of them need it. It's not a fact that they really don't need the promotion. It's more that they feel they can't afford it or it's it's just they're, the agencies that are out there want to deal with larger companies and don't have time for the little entrepreneur, the mom and pop shop. So when I started Three Girls, one of the things that I had to think about is who is my target client? Who do I really want to serve? And I knew at the time that most of the public relations agencies out there were set up to deal with mid and large size companies, not small entrepreneurs, uh, businesses that had, were relatively new, uh, businesses that had a very small budget for marketing. And so I decided that's going to be my niche. I'm going to work for the little guy, somebody that I feel that not only needs the help the most, but can afford it the least. It was never my goal to get rich quick with my own company. It was more about making a living, being able to pay my bills, and at the same time, really feeling good about the work I did and being able to help other small businesses just like my own. So I structured the company in such a way that it would be affordable for small businesses. And we still do that today. We offer all of our services on an a la carte menu. So you can pick and choose just one little thing or two little things. Or if you need more than that, we can bundle up some services and come up with a comprehensive marketing plan. But we really break it down uh, into a very simple a la carte menu that's very affordable. Our services start even in the $150 a month range. That's wonderful. I think that's brilliant that you've focused in this segment where it's so underserved, uh, even today. And there's no doubt, at least in my experience. Give me an example for the small business owner listening, an example of public relations for a small business. Sure. Well, public relations really is about relating to the public. It's about getting the word out about your business to really increase your brand awareness and the name recognition of your company. So we do that in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's through a press release and sending that out to media outlets. Sometimes it's a media advisory, which is promoting an event. Sometimes it's taking a company's product or service and spreading news of that to the media saying, you know, hey, we represent this really great product. We think it'd make a terrific fit for the holiday gift guide you're working on or to be in your magazine feature roundup about uh, toys for kids or whatever it may be. 
we take those products or company services, get them in the hands of the media, and then see that coverage come to life, either through a, a story in a newspaper or a magazine, uh, websites and blogs, or even on television. Yeah, and I think that last part is such a key thing. The writing of a press release, for example, is the relatively easy part, I'm, I'm, relatively speaking. In other words, I've written plenty of press releases, but it's getting it so that it gets traction, so that the media picks it up. I found that's the hard part, and that's where someone like you comes in for a small business. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. You know, there are a lot of great templates online that you can find for press releases. And as long as you are, are a decent writer, you can find enough examples of press releases online in order to write your own relatively easily. However, it's like you said, it's getting that press release into the hands of the media and not just any media, but the right media, the right producers or writers or journalists who are going to be able to look at that press release and, and do something with it uh, and make a story happen. In this day and age of what media has turned into, newspapers and so forth, where it's all about the soundbite, it's all about entertainment, where, how have you seen that change and how you have to put this stuff together, whether it's a press release or an announcement, so that it is more likely that it gets picked up by somebody? Well, you know, when I first started in public relations, immediately following my broadcasting career, we were doing things like faxing press releases to media <laughs> outlets. And, and that has long since gone by the wayside. Oh, yeah. You know, now it's all about email and uh, following journalists on Twitter and communicating with them there and whatnot. And so things have definitely changed in terms of how you get the word out to the public. And there's really an art to it because journalists are so bombarded and so overwhelmed with so many people like me pitching them on various stories. You have to do your job in such a way that you are going to make your clients stand out from everybody else. It comes down to initially even that subject line that you put in your email that you're sending to a journalist. What are you going to put in that subject line that's going to be so compelling that they open it as opposed to simply trash it? And then what do you say in those first two or three sentences that's going to grab their attention and make them keep reading? And there's really an art to doing that. Yeah, there's an art to doing that because uh, I've put myself in that situation when I've tried to reach out to local uh, editors, for example. And I can only imagine they probably get hundreds of emails, not probably, they get hundreds of emails every day. Yep. And then also who it's from. So you've developed connections. You are you have more likelihood just because of you sending it even that it might get looked at. So all that is part of the strategy. Absolutely, that's part of the strategy. You know, I've been doing this now for 17 years. Uh, in public relations and have built relationships with various media outlets, various journalists, and really know how to speak their language. Yeah. All right. I want to segue to another area of expertise for you, which is social media. We could talk about social media for days. I want to specifically get your thoughts on a small business that's just getting started. 
where do they start? What, what should their overall strategy be for social media and how it relates to public relations also? Sure. Well, I firmly believe that every single business needs to have a social media component to their marketing. However, that said, I think a lot of new entrepreneurs make the mistake of thinking they need to be everywhere, right? They've got to be Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, uh, Reddit. You know, they have to be all places and all things to everybody. And that's actually a huge mistake. Not only are you spreading yourself too thin, but chances are you're not really concentrating on your true target market. So... What I recommend is, first of all, identifying your core demographics. Who are your customers? Is it moms? Is it men who are into technology? Is it whatever it is that's your target audience and primary customer? You need to participate in the social media channels that they are participating in. So if your goal is to reach moms, you're probably going to want to be on Facebook and maybe Pinterest. So look at who is using the various social media platforms. And you can do that very easily with a Google search. Simply go to Google, type in who uses Facebook or demographics of Facebook, demographics of Pinterest, and you'll get some phenomenal data from some extremely credible sources like the Pew Research Center, for example, and decide to participate in just those channels that are going to target your specific audience. Yeah, that's great advice. And I agree completely. And that's been my experience too with my small businesses. Let's talk about another uh, way of promoting our business online, and that's blogging. So tell me about blogging. Should everybody be blogging? What should we be doing as small business owners with that? Yeah, everybody should be blogging. And here's why. It's great for two things primarily. Number one, it's terrific for your search engine optimization and driving new traffic to your website organically. And secondly, it's terrific for establishing you and or your business as a thought leader in the industry a company or a person that really knows what they're talking about, who has credibility and experience and knowledge. And so for those two reasons, it's very important, I think, for small businesses to blog. And the challenge there, of course, as it is with all social media, is where do I get the content? I don't have time to write it. Maybe I'm not good at it. That's a big challenge. And I often see people, they'll get started You'll go to their blog. There's one or two posts from last year and there's then there's silence. So how do you how do you manage that? You're absolutely right. Well, a, a couple of things I would say if you're only going to show a couple posts from last year and you're not keeping up with your blog, it's better not to have it at all. Honestly, that look like you're not tending to it. So I would give that advice. But what I would say in terms of finding content is sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. So what I like to tell people is when you're talking to potential clients, what are common questions that they ask you? What are things that you find yourself repeating over and over and over again when you're talking to new clients? Do a blog post about each and every one of those questions, sort of your FAQs that your customers ask and make each one of those blog posts. Write a blog post about um, a new product or about what's happening behind the scenes at the office. 
write a blog post about each person on your team if you have employees or even if it's just yourself. Write a blog post about a day in the life. Uh, you know, you can really come up with a lot of simple things to write about. And in terms of consistency, consistency is extremely important. And that means down to writing content the same days of the week and the same time of day that your blog posts go live. So in terms of finding time, it's better for you to post twice a month, maybe the second and fourth Thursday of the month at 10 a.m., then try to post three times a week and know that you're going to fail because you don't have time to do it. Yeah, that's great advice. I think the other thing that holds us back is that we think it has to be perfect. I know I suffer from that. I'm writing a novel or I have to, it has to be perfectly written. And I think that I'm blogging for most cases or businesses where that not, might not be the case, but it's acceptable for it to be a bit more casual in the form of your writing. Would you agree or disagree with that? I think it really depends on the type of business that it is. So for example, if you are a lawyer and you're starting your own company, it would not be appropriate for your blog post to be extremely casual. They should be more business-like and professional. However, if you own a, a dog-sitting business, uh, then certainly in that instance, it's totally appropriate for your corporate image to be casual, down-to-earth, friendly, outgoing, and you should reflect that in your blog and in the rest of the website. Yeah, great advice. The tone has to match your brand and your business. If I'm if I'm a doctor, I probably shouldn't be funny necessarily and, and need to be more serious. But for most of us, it's okay for it to be a little bit more casual. And the reason I make that point is that sometimes that re letting go of that, that we're not having to write a masterpiece every time we post a blog post, that maybe helps us with getting some content out there on a regular basis. That's absolutely true. So let's talk about websites, and I probably should have started with that in the progression of things here. It's amazing to me, and as you well know, that most small business owners, maybe it's around 50% now, don't even have a website. Why do you think that is? What do you think is the barrier? It, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's for uh, every single business should have a website, every single one. And I think there are two primary barriers for entrepreneurs, number one, they think that they can't afford a professional company to do a website for them. And also, I think that a lot of entrepreneurs think that, well, not only can I not afford it, but if I'm supposed to do my own, I'm not a good writer, I can't write the content, I don't know how to create it, uh, it's too complicated for me to make my own. But what and, and I'll tell you, one of my frustrations just happened yesterday. We're going on vacation in a month or so, and I was looking for a kennel to board my dog. And there was a company that came up on Yelp that I found, and they did not have a website. So all I knew about this dog kennel was their phone number and address. I had to call to get all the information about their service and what kind of facility they were and what they provided for the dogs. It was very frustrating. I much rather would have read something online, uh, even if it was simply a one page website, than not have any information at all and be forced to call to get it. Yeah. And in my experience too, in that case, immediately for me, I'm wondering if it works for you this way. Immediately I downgrade them in my mind on 
how good they are. So immediately I'm like, all right, are these people for real? Is this a fly-by-night place? Are they going to go out of business while I'm on vacation? Does that happen to you where if you don't see a professional website, you kind of downgrade them in your mind as to their, rep their reputation? hundred percent. I think that it's not a very serious business. Uh, generally think of someone who maybe is just doing sort of work on the side part-time, maybe not really invested in a career, uh, those kinds of things. And the only reason I ended up calling that kennel is because they're so close to my house and I live in a rural area. So if they would have had a website, it would have been much easier from the beginning to give them credibility and say, you know what, this is really worthy of my time and an effort to call, find out a little bit more. But yeah, I, I just blows my mind in this day and age in 2016 that so many entrepreneurs and small businesses don't have websites and think that they can just get away with Yelp. So to that end, is a not very good, not professional looking website better than no website? Well, yes. It depend, depends on the business again? Yeah, maybe. But I would say, you know, it, it's I'm still going to be unimpressed, I would say. And I think... Again, a lot of entrepreneurs get held up because they think I can't afford a professional to do this for me. And if I do it on my own, I don't know how to do it. It's very complicated. It's very time consuming. But in reality, like I said, even a one page website with a paragraph about your business, a phone number and an email address goes a long way. And it, there are so many uh, create your own websites these days that are very easy for a lay person to use. Uh, Wix, for example, WordPress, for example. Uh, my aunt just started a business and used Wix to create her website. And she's extremely technically unsavvy and still was able to do a really good job. And I think, too, that there's nothing wrong with asking your friends or colleagues or other people you respect for their opinion. So put together a website that's one page if you can't do any more, and then go to your spouse, go to your best friend, go to somebody you admire in the business world and say, can you take a look at this and give me some feedback, offer me any suggestions that I could improve? And I think a lot of people feel like they have to do it all themselves, and if they can't do it 100% alone, that they might just not well do it after all. And I think that's a mistake. Okay, so some of our listeners now are thinking, all right, I get this. I've had a website. That's not an issue. Move on. So for them, then, it becomes, for those who do have a website, it's now this whole topic that you also help clients with of improving your conversion rate. Uh, first of all, explain what a conversion rate is, and then we'll get into some tips on how to improve that. Sure. Well, conversion is basically getting somebody to your website and getting them to take some kind of action, either emailing you, calling you, filling out a contact form, making a purchase through your site. And that's really the bottom line is conversion is getting them to take a desired action. And so now what do you see? Let's start with maybe what's a common mistake you see on websites that are leading to poor conversion rates? I think there's no call to action on a lot of websites. And that's so easy to fix. It's simply a matter of saying, call us today, uh, call for a free estimate, 
email me to schedule an appointment. Um, these kinds of calls to action should be on almost every single page of your website and encourage people to do something. If you don't ask them to do something, chances are they're not going to do something. So let me throw in a specific example on you and get your thoughts on it. On one of my websites, my call to action is I want people to give me their email address so that I can stay in touch with them, send them more information, and they can be part of my community. And so I have had the passive little box on the right-hand side that says, click here, give me your email address. Now I've added the pop-ups that you're seeing on a lot of websites, and it's triggered by the way that I've set it up when you scroll 50% down pops up a box, which is intrusive. What's your thought on that? What are your, what's your opinion on what works well and what should we do in that to, for capturing emails specifically? Sure. Well, I think capturing emails is a terrific goal and has a lot of value. Like you said, it's a way for you to communicate with people who visit your website. You could send them an e-newsletter. You could send them information about sales or promotions you're having and this sort of thing. And I really think that to be effective at collecting those email addresses, you have to get their buy-in. You have to tell them why they should give you their email address and make it valuable for them. So you could say, uh, give me your email address and you'll be signed up for our monthly newsletter that has great tips about X, Y, or Z, or you'll get information about all of our upcoming promotions or sales or things like this. So you have to actually tell somebody why they should give you that email address and make it worthwhile for them. And then the approach of passively asking for it or intrusively popping up a window, what's your thought? I think either is okay, but uh, I agree with you that if you're going to be more proactive and have a pop-up box, for example, that making sure that doesn't come up until you are at least halfway down the page is a really good idea. It drives me crazy when I go to a website I've literally been there for two seconds and a box pops up asking for me uh, to give them some type of information when I haven't even had a chance to read their homepage. Yeah, I'm seeing that more and more and I have mixed emotions about how I feel about it. So glad to get your perspective on it. All right, let's go back to, as we begin to wrap this up, a more personal question for you. What do you think has been one of the reasons for your success in business? I think... One of the reasons I've been successful is because I'm willing to change. And that's something that really scares a lot of people because it opens you up to the unknown possibilities of what could happen if you make a change. But uh, for me, that's been so crucial. You know, when in 2008, the country crashed and we had the huge bust up on Wall Street and money crisis, housing crisis, it was just crazy my customers no longer could afford what we were providing them. My current clients didn't have money to renew and new clients were nowhere to be found. So I really had to find a way to change up what we were offering, the prices we were offering it at and how we were offering it in order to still be appealing to businesses who were in a financial crisis and be able to continue to make it on my own. And that's just one of the things that made me change, made the company change over the years that have ultimately led to further success. 
That's great. So that willingness to change and evolve and the hot word these days, pivot and, and figure out where to go next. That's great advice. So Erica, tell me, uh, summarize for me the services, the three girls media, the services you offer your clients. Sure. So we really have two sides to our business. There's the public relations services side and there's the social media services side. So on public relations, we do things like writing press releases or media advisories for our clients and getting those out to the press. We take clients' products or services and get the word spread about them as well out to the media, be it magazines, newspapers, websites, blogs, television, radio. Uh, we really cover the entire media spectrum for our clients to best publicize their business or their products. And then on the social media side of things, we manage our clients' uh, social media accounts. So for example, we'll manage your Facebook page entirely. We'll research and find good content to share. We'll write something about that. We'll post it to your page for you. And then we keep an eye out for fans who are commenting or sharing. We'll respond to them on your behalf and help you build those online relationships. And so it's really a full service solution when it comes to managing your social media. And as we mentioned before, you have an a la carte menu also that's affordable. And one of your special focuses is small businesses, correct? That is our primary focus. You know, we do have a couple of large clients um, who we work with, but I would say 95% of our clientele is small businesses. It's a solopreneur, it's a mom and pop business. Uh, generally, most of the companies we work with have 10 or fewer employees. So we really specialize in working with the little guy. Wonderful, thanks for giving us that summary. So we'll start to wrap this up. Question for you, is there a book or a resource that you've read or used recently that you would recommend to our listeners? You know, there's a classic book, uh, two of them actually, that I highly recommend if you are planning on doing some of your own marketing, your own public relations, uh, your own PR, and those are Guerrilla PR and Guerrilla Marketing. And both of those are by J. Conrad Levinson, and you can find them easily on Amazon. Again, that's Guerrilla Marketing, and the second book is Guerrilla PR. Yeah, those are some of my favorite books. I also like his um, revisited version, which kind of has a summary of all of these different topics. Jay passed, I guess, a couple years ago or so, but definitely a genius in the area of marketing. So we'll have links to those two book suggestions on our show notes page at the how of business. Thanks for those recommendations. All right. As we wrap it up, uh, any last parting thoughts or advice to our listeners who again are either planning or thinking about becoming their own boss or are running their own small business today? Sure. You know, I would say a couple of things, go for it, just go for it. If you haven't started your business yet and are thinking about it, take the leap. I think that it is incredibly rewarding to do so. And I highly recommend uh, following your dreams and making them happen. And then I would say if you are in business already, 
Don't be afraid of change. Know when to change if uh, you need to for your business and prioritize marketing. I think so many entrepreneurs start their companies and they think that business will just come. They're going to put up their website and people are going to start calling immediately or they've got a brick and mortar business and they're going to open and they're going to get tons of people coming in. In reality, it does not work it that way. You have to get out there and let people know about your business. And you can do that in a variety of ways that we've discussed today. Uh, but or, or you can talk to an expert like me. One of the things that I offer is a complimentary, no obligation, 30-minute consultation. So we'll talk on the phone or on Skype for 30 minutes talk about your business. I can give you tons of ideas. I'm full of free advice. And if you'd like, I can put together a proposal for you where, you know, we, we go over the services we discussed and I give you uh, itemized prices for everything. That's great. And so where can our listeners go online to find out more about you and Three Girls Media? Sure. So you can go to the Three Girls Media website. It's threegirlsmedia.com. And it is the word three all spelled out. So T-H-R-E, threegirlsmedia.com. Uh, I've got tons of information there. You can find my full bio there. Uh, we've got a contact form and you can fill that out and it comes directly to me. I'd be more than happy to get back to you and answer any questions you have. And then I also want to highly recommend our blog for entrepreneurs. We literally have thousands of articles all about public relations, social media, marketing, online advertising on social media that is incredibly helpful. It's a terrific resource. So it's absolutely free and uh, yours to peruse at any time. Yeah, it's a great blog, like you said, full of information. We'll have a link to the website, to the blog on the show notes page again at thehowabusiness.com. Uh, Erica, thanks for being with us today and sharing all this tremendous knowledge. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed speaking with you, Henry. Thanks, Erica. It was our pleasure. Uh, folks, thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us through iTunes, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.